Okay, welcome everyone. Um, I want to thank you so much for taking time on this Sunday to join me on this uh, special event, Treatment of High Myopia. And the reason why I'm, I'm doing it Sunday, my good friend, uh, Dr. Robert Staggerwald from Rome, who's doing some research on high myopia, this was the only time that he could uh, join me. You know, Italy has gone through some tough times with the COVID virus, and he's, his practice is finally up and running. So it's great that he'll be able to join me a little later on to talk about his research. And we will have an opportunity to um, uh, take questions. So uh, both uh, Dr. Robert Staggerwald and myself will, will take questions. Now, I would like to begin uh, with a little video of my farm, uh, my garden. And there's a reason why I'm doing this, because this ties in to the treatment of high myopia. So while we're waiting for a lot of attendees to get online, let's uh, play this video. Uh, hi, uh, Dr. Conrad here. Since the COVID virus, uh, we've been under lockdown here in Florida. And unfortunately, we're not seeing patients at the wellness center. So that's given me a lot of free time. And also our missions have been put on hold. So I got a lot of free time and wanted to share with you the garden that I've been working on. Here we have some really beautiful eggplant. And uh, look, we got almost ready for harvest. I love, I love eggplant. I love eggplant. And uh, we have a lot of peppers. And uh, peppers have a lot of good vitamin C. In fact, peppers have more vitamin C uh, than oranges. And right here we have some yard-long beans that are growing. And these are great uh, beans. We have all sorts of other peppers here. We've got green peppers right here. Uh, come over here. And... Uh, this is um, okra, and the okra is getting about ready here, and we have a little, oh, here, we have one here that's ready. Let me get this here. We have an okra that's ready. Uh, and uh, zucchini. I love, I love my zucchini. Let's see if we, oh, my goodness, look here. Look, we got a good one right here. These guys just crop up overnight. Uh, Beats. And because it's so hot in Florida, uh, we got some Swiss chard growing here. We have carrots, onions, kale. Over there is broccoli. And we got uh, beets. Yeah, I think these here. beets might be ready. Since the COVID virus. Yeah, uh, still, we've been under lockdown still got some here in Florida. Unfortunately, we're not and seeing lettuce. patients at the wellness center, so that's given me and, uh, a lot of free time. And also, uh, over here we have uh, some squash. So a lot of free time. <laughs> Looks like this one here. Cucumber. Here we got a little guy harvest. here. Not quite love, ready. Somebody has their speaker on too loud and that we got the uh, watermelon. So please turn peppers on. Off. And corn. Peppers have more vitamin C. Check out the corn. Uh, and orange. We have and some right pumpkin. Here we have some mm. yard long beans. And uh, this is cantaloupe. My These wife loves cantaloupe. Uh, We've got a lot of blossoms here on the cantaloupe. And we got a chicken coop right over here. We got free range uh, chicken. There's uh, the chickens this, uh, early in the morning. They're getting up. Good morning.
those of you that are online, uh, make sure that you're turning off your speaker. We're getting some feedback, which can be rather annoying. Uh, we're getting an echo. Uh, so please um, uh, mute your microphone. You can listen, but uh, we're, we're getting some feedback. There's a lot of people on the call, so we don't want that interference. So we're gonna be talking about myopia. Now, why don't I show you a picture of my garden? Uh, and uh, I wanted you to be thinking about what, um, what was there that could possibly help with myopia. And there's a couple of key things and we're gonna talk about that a little bit later on. Number one, I was outdoors. I was in the sunlight. And there's been many studies, in particular a French study, which showed that the more time you spend outdoors, the less your incidence of nearsightedness. Also, we know that sunlight and ultraviolet light um, is um, uh, very healing and uh, regenerative. And you know, vitamin D deficiency is very common now because people are spending less time outdoors. Um, also, I was doing some activity. I was active. I was uh, walking, uh, touching the ground, which is earthing. So there were a lot of things there we're gonna be talking about a little later on, which uh, supports the treatment of myopia. And also the garden has a lot of great nutrition or organic natural food. So all these things are something that we should, we should be looking at. Here's a scary thing that the incidence of childhood myopia and this was a study done by a multi-international pediatric group, confirmed that the incidence of childhood myopia among children, oh, wow. Oh, here, wait a second here. I gotta change the, uh, one second. I got to get my slides. There we go. Okay. So for some reason I was locked into the video. So anyway, this was the largest study of childhood eye disease confirms that the incidence of childhood myopia among American children has uh, more than doubled, doubled over the last 50 years and the findings show a troubling trend among adults and children in Asia, where 90% or more of the population have been diagnosed with myopia, up from 10 to 20% 60 years ago. So these are rather shocking statistics. And uh, so what are some of the contributing factors? Well, I believe that uh, myopia means there's an imbalance in your vision. By an imbalance in your vision, I'm referring to uh, close uh, versus uh, distance. There needs to be a balance between using our eyes at uh, distance and using it up close. And I guess over the last 50 years, we went more from an agricultural society, farming uh, laborers, and we were spending a lot more time outdoors. And that could be a reason why there's been so many studies which indicate that the more time you spend outdoors, the less incidence of uh, uh, myopia or macular degeneration that you have. And let's get back here. 
Okay, so reading computers and cell phones, they are becoming prolific. More and more kids are spending an extraordinary amount of time on their cell phones, computers, and we have a lack of distance uh, stimulation. So those of you that do have near nearsightedness, myopia, or your children have nearsightedness, um, you really have to look at this balance in their vision. Now, in addition, you know, to the fact that myopia means you need glasses for distance, there's also an increased risk of pathology. For example, at three diopters of myopia, the risk of uh, cataracts triples, and the risk of retinal detachment and my myopic maculopathy is nine times that of someone with eye vision problems. At five diopters of myopia or greater, the risk of cataracts is five times higher, 21 times higher for the risk of retinal detachment, and 40 times higher for the risk of developing myopic maculopathy. So this was kind of a shock to me. I mean, I knew that people with high myopia, extremely high myopia, had an increased, increased risk of these conditions, but I was not aware of the fact that um, uh, the statistics were this shocking. Uh, you know, my goodness. So here's the problem with myopia. Myopia or nearsighted means that the eyeball is a little bit longer. So you can see up on the left, the far left is a normal shaped eye. It's run like a ball. And a myopic eye becomes more oblong. And there's a stretching that occurs. Uh, the top right is a normal retina. And as the retina stretches, there's thinning of the retina there can be damage to the circulation, scarring, and hemorrhage. So in many cases of severe myopia, you develop uh, pathological changes. You're more prone to glaucoma, you're more prone to macular hemorrhages uh, and other serious, serious problems. So later on, uh, my good friend, Dr. Robert Staggerwald is gonna be joining me and we're gonna be, he's gonna be addressing his research in treating these extremes of myopia. Now, in terms of treatment and prevention, I think we have to look at two things. Treating the disease. And yes, I would, I would call myopia disease and also treating the refractive error. So whenever you wear glasses, um, and I'm gonna put the webcam on here so you can see me. Share my webcam. Ah, there I am. All right, so anyway, you see me there and I have glasses on. And, uh, and the reason why I have glasses on, I'm treating the refractive ear. And I'm gonna be talking a little bit later about one of the ways of preventing myopia is to relaxing your eyes whenever you're reading or doing close work. Remember I told you that the incidence of myopia is increasing because we're doing near, near work. Well, I kind of agree that if you're doing a lot of close work, you should have computer glasses or reading glasses. This kind of reduces the accommodative strain and stress in the eye. If you remember the picture of the two eyeballs, 
a normal eyeball is nice and round, and a myopic eye is elongated. So whenever I'm straining and looking at close work, I'm squeezing the muscles around my eye, and that could be causing the, the elongation. So there's, there's two issues when we're treating myopia. One is we're treating the disease, and the disease, I would say, is the elongation of the eye. It is the pathological changes that take place. And then there's also treating the refractive error. By the refractive error, I mean putting on a pair of glasses or contact lenses. So that's simple to do. If you're myopic and you put on a pair of glasses, you are treating the refractive error, but you're not treating the disease. So I hope that makes sense. And this is very important to distinguish uh, these two factors when you're dealing with myopia. And when I do evaluate a patient who's interested in undergoing alternative treatments for nearsightedness or myopia, we have to evaluate uh, the stages of the disease. Uh, what is the refractive error? What is the stage of the, the actual disease of myopia? So I mentioned time outdoors and the prevention of myopia. This is one study that was done in France, and there are many, many studies done. If you Google and, and do the research on time outdoors and the prevention of myopia, and it seems to be related to the duration. So in other words, the more time you spend outside, the less incidence of myopia. And two hours seem to be the, the key factor. More than two hours a day, you will statistically reduce your incidence of uh, myopia. Now, I'm not sure if it's going to decrease your actual values at this point. We're talking about progression and development of myopia. Now, getting back to the stress of reading, there's been many studies to show that an atropine solution, now atropine paralyzes the eye's ability to accommodate. And when you do accommodate, so let's say, for example, I'm looking across the room at distance, far away. My eyes are relaxed. Then when I start looking at things close up, the closer the object is to my eyes, the more accommodation occurs. And that accommodation causes stress in the eye, contraction of some of the muscles, and it may cause some of the elongation and progressive progression of myopia. The studies have shown that an atropine solution, which paralyzes the accommodation, can prevent myopic progression. Uh, so I feel that you really don't need the atropine eye drops. I think if you have a balance between distance and reading glasses, or like I am right now, I mean, I don't really need glasses to read. I could probably take them off and do this seminar fine looking at the computer, but my eyes are more relaxed when I put on these glasses, and these glasses are, are computer glasses. So uh, using bifocal glasses or computer glasses, and also looking at your life, Getting a balance between the distance and your uh, reading vision. Uh, spending more time looking at distance. Now, if you're spending a lot of time on the computer, what I, which I would recommend is that you relax your eyes and look at distance. You're reading for a while, stop, look at distance, balancing that. Also, this is kind of controversial, and I do feel that sugar may be related to the increased incidence of nearsightedness. I think sugar is a, a big poison 
And there's no question in our society that we're consuming more and more sugar. And uh, this goes along with, you know, I'm a firm believer that uh, food is our best medicine. You know, we should look at good nutrition to satisfy all our health problems. So one thing I'm very, feel very strongly about reduce the, the sugar intake. So here are three keys to begin to look at to reducing myopia. Spend more time outdoors, reduce your accommodation and reduce sugar. Simple enough. So now let's talk a little bit about eye exercises. Uh, Dr. William Bates was the turn of a century ophthalmologist who actually was a brilliant man who developed different exercises. And most people are familiar with palming, sunning, and the giant swing. And I know that when I was in my residency, oh, boy, did we make fun of Dr. Bates, a quack, a charlatan. And uh, I, I felt that too. I mean, what could possibly palming, sunning, and all these exercises do? Uh, and here's some pictures uh, from his book, uh, Palming and uh, Sunning, but this was him using a magnifying glass to direct the uh, light energy to the eye. Uh, and this is a quote from Dr. Bates, relaxation, nothing else matters. And this is very, very profound because, you know, stress is the underlying cause of a lot of our health issues, in particular, uh, nearsightedness, if we would just learn to relax our eyes. And all of the exercises that Dr. Bates talked about help with this relaxation. Now, what really turned my opinion about Dr. Bates, I, I'm a big science fiction fan and I like Algis Huxley. In addition to writing the great novels, uh, Doors of Perception, and uh, what was the other novel that Huxley, Huxley wrote? I can't, I can't think of it right now. He wrote a book called The Art of Seeing. And this book really opened up my eyes, a little pun there. He, um, Huxley had extremely poor vision all his life. And he went from clinic to clinic, trying to see if anybody could possibly improve his vision and no one could and finally he discovered the work of dr bates and underwent training by one of his therapists and he eliminated his need for glasses and had good functioning vision so this book and it's a great book if you want to learn more about bates and his exercises i don't want to spend too much time going into detail uh, about palming and everything but pick up a copy of this book called the art of Sing. I met another guy, uh, Tom Quackenbush, uh, who had extreme nearsightedness. And Tom uh, embraced um, Dr. Bates's methods and he eliminated his need for glasses. And he wrote this book called Relearning to See, so another great resource. Now, this is an easy way to uh, get jumpstart on vision therapy, Bates and exercises. You can download my book, and this is available to you free. Go to healingtheeye.com. That's healingtheeye.com. And right on my homepage, uh, click a link, download the book, absolutely no cost, and go to chapter five. Chapter five reviews, um, uh, you know, these different exercises that you can do. And it also talks about the bait. So this is a good research for you to get started. 
So let's talk more about essentials to reduce myopia, improve uh, uh, your myopia, prevent and reverse pathology. Well, number one is uh, nutrition. Very strongly, if you don't have that good nutritional basis, your body is not going to heal. And I'm a big advocate of organic, uh, raw foods. Colorful foods will give you colorful vision. And do like I did. If you're locked on because of the COVID virus, start your own garden, uh, grow your own vegetables because you're doing exercise, you're out in the sunlight, and you're earthing or grinding. You're making a connection to the earth. Stress uh, reduction is critical. And that's one thing I like about the Bates method because palming is kind of like stress reduction. You're putting the palm of your hands over your eyes, deep breathing, you're closing your eyes, you're reducing the stress. Hydration and uh, detox. You gotta keep your body hydrated, you gotta eliminate heavy metals, which are toxic. Also, um, <clears throat> for more severe pathologies, uh, microcurrent I have found to be extremely beneficial for help reducing stress, helping the eyes to regenerate. Now, I wouldn't recommend, you know, microcurrent uh, as, a, as an early on treatment for severe or for myopia. Um, I think it's mainly for the later stages of myopia, and especially if you have some pathological changes in your eye, if you have thinning of your retina, if you have some other problems, then I would consider microcurrent. Microcurrent improves the circulation to the eye. It uh, helps uh, stimulate cellular activity. It helps, um, uh, it has a neuroprotective effect. It does many, many things. And I don't wanna spend a lot of time on microcurrent, but essentially microcurrent is delivering low levels of current, which have a regeneration effect in the eye. And if you go to my website, and search under microcurrent. I have some webinars and other information on that. Light therapy is another important part of all of my programs to restore vision, especially syntonic light therapy. And this is where we use different wavelengths of light to balance the autonomic nervous system uh, to help uh, regenerate the body. And the whole syntonic therapy believes that there needs to be a balance in the autonomic nervous system between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic. We have to have a balance. And once you have that balance, the body is better able to heal. I also mentioned earthing. Earthing is remarkable. Our bodies need to be grounded. There was a great book written by Stephen Sinatra called Earthing. And get out there, take your shoes and socks off, touch the earth be grounded to the earth. And Dr. Sinatra mentioned case after case of pathology that has been reversed by, uh, by simply grounding, that we need the earth's magnetic energy. I can't forget homeopathy. Uh, homeopathy is a passion of mine. I like homeopathy because homeopathy treats the per person, not the disease. Homeopathy can also influence genetic expression. In addition to homeopathy, I think good nutrition and positive attitude can influence genetic expression too. And homeopathy can be a catalyst for healing. And I've been working on, this will be my eighth book called Homeopathic Ophthalmology. It's in the hopper right now. I'm 
finishing up the following final touches on this book. So make sure you sign up for my newsletter and I'll keep you up to date on, uh, on this book. Now let's talk about optical treatment. Now optical treatment does not treat the disease. I wanna make this clear, optical treatment, all it does is simply corrects the refractive error. So the abnormal length of the eye or the narrowing of the eye or the pathology of your retina is still there. Now glasses, I wanna make a comment that I feel that if you do have nearsightedness, one of the first steps you need to take is to undercorrect your prescription. Most people that are nearsighted like to have their maximum correction, if not a little more. So I think it's important that you undercorrect yourself so you begin to use your natural vision. You're not becoming dependent on your glasses. Those of you that are nearsighted are probably used to, every time you go to the eye doctor, you need stronger and stronger glasses. So I believe that maybe undercorrecting your lenses a small amount, maybe three quarters of a doctor, uh, and uh, maybe beginning some exercises like Bates exercise, uh, beginning microcurrent, making some other changes may help. Contact lenses. Uh, contact lenses may be a little bit better than glasses, although I have mixed feelings about this because a contact lens is a foreign body, but there is something called orthokeratology where the contact lens is put on the front of the eye to change the shape of the eye. But once again, it's not really treating the myopia, it's just changing the optical. Uh, dual focus contact lenses. These are bifocal contact lenses or just plain bifocals. Doing things that'll help relax that accommodative drive. And also pinhole glasses. You may laugh at pinhole glasses, but actually it can be a very effective way of relaxing your eyes. When you have pinhole glasses, you don't need any accommodation. It kind of relaxes your eyes. So medical and surgical treatment. We have, uh, you know, uh, LASIK, which is laser surgery to change the shape of the eye. We have intraocular lenses. But once again, these are surgical treatments that don't treat the disease. They just treat the refractive error. Uh, now, later on, Dr. Robert Staggerwald is going to be talking about some innovative medical treatments that he has researched uh, that can help people with severe myopia that are losing vision. Maybe the retina is thinned and they have poor circulation. Sometimes the retina becomes so thin that you actually need a scleral reinforcement surgery. In other words, you take a graft of the sclera and you put it... Uh, on the outside of the eye to support the eye because it's getting so thin. Also in cases of hemorrhage and uh, leakage and thinning and damage, you need lasers and injections, but these are the last resort. I think if you do look at alternative treatments like homeopathy, microcurrent and light therapy, you can avoid many of these procedures. So the summary of myopic treatment, number one, it depends on the age of the person and your degree of myopia, and also your pathology. So let's say you're a young person, eight years old, and you have early myopia. That's an ideal time to begin doing important steps to prevent the progression of myopia, spending more time outdoors, changing your diet, relaxation, etc. On the other extreme, let's say you're 70 years old like me, 
you have a high degree of myopia and you have bleeding in your eye, that requires a completely different set of treatment. So reducing myopia, once again, nutrition and detox, outdoor activity is essential, reducing your prescription, eye exercises, reduce stress, baits, detoxification, uh, identifying toxins in your body like heavy metals, consider homeopathy. Homeopathy treats the whole person and can act as a catalyst to reduce myopia and also microcurrent therapy. So I'd like to help you. And I'm offering a free consult. Um, with the COVID virus, I have a lot of time. I'm hunkered down here in Florida. Just go to freeconsult.us, send me a copy of your records, and uh, I'll take a look at them and make my recommendations as to what would be the best protocol for you. So before we go on, um, let me see if uh, um, uh, Rob is here. I'm here. Oh, wonderful. Can you hear me? This is such a pleasure. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Dr. Staggerwald, hey, uh, Roberto, how long have we been friends? We've known each other now for what, 30 years? I'm sorry, what did you say? How long have we known each other? Ah, since we were residents at uh, yeah. St. Francis Hospital. So over 40, 30 years. over 40 years. 40 years. And uh, not, Robert practices in Rome. We're not, we're not that young anymore. I'd say over 40 years. Uh, when um, Rob was a resident, he met a beautiful Italian woman, Enza, and um, fell in love and decided to practice in Rome. And I envy yes. you. And we've become good friends, and we've done some research together. Um, I had an opportunity to do some research. I'm going to be making you the presenter now. Okay. Show my screen. Yeah, and show your webcam here so people can take a look at you. Okay, let me go on the webcam here. And I just have to, I just have to say webcam. something. I admire the work that you're doing because nearsightedness is really neglected by a lot of ophthalmic surgeons. And you really have a passion to um, uh, look at some of the pathology. Well, thank so you. It looks good here. You can see me. I'm going to bring up some slides. Let me know if, if uh, they take up the whole screen or just part of it. Okay. Here, I'm opening up the slides. How's that? It looks good. You're able, you're able to see them? Uh, let me see here. Okay. I don't see it's myself or I don't see you, but I see my slide. Yeah, you're coming through fine. Okay. So let me let me explain to you uh, what I do, and then I imagine there might be some uh, questions afterwards. I I did my uh, ophthalmic training in uh, Pittsburgh and Ohio. And Pittsburgh and Ohio are populations of Northern Europe, German, English, Irish, and the Mediterranean population is much smaller. 
And as a result, um, I did not see much high myopia uh, when I was training. I did a retina fellowship in Ohio State with Dr. Davidorf. And surprisingly, even though it was a retina fellowship, uh, we saw lots of detachments, four or five uh, detachments, retinal detachments a week, but very little um, high myopia. Are you able to hear me? Yep, we hear you fine. We're coming, okay. You're coming through fine. So I ended up uh, practicing in Italy. And practicing in Italy, I began to see a lot of um, high myopia. And it was basically from southern Italy. And discovered after that that the Mediterranean basin, Spain, Italy, Turkey, Greece, have a, have a significant amount of high myopia compared to uh, Central and Northern Europe where you don't see it that much. And I started seeing people who uh, were losing their vision, even though their pressure was good and uh, their maculas were not changing. And they were especially losing their peripheral vision in the sense of ambulatory vision to move around, go up and down stairs in and out of rooms. And uh, at the same time, uh, my office was next to an, an angiologist, Dr. Belcaro, who was using um, medication to improve uh, blood flow for people with uh, peripheral diabetic ulcers, people with intermittent claudication, uh, people who had uh, angina pectoris but uh, were unable to, for medical reasons, to have uh, surgery. And I started to look at the eye thinking that there might be the need for uh, increased blood flow in high myopia. Now I have here a picture, and this is, this is an uh, echography of the eye called OCT. And what you're looking at on the superior part, which is 239 uh, millimeters, is the retina. And then there's a big white line, which is uh, uh, Brooks membrane and epithelial cells. And then below that, you see fuzzy cotton ball images, which is the choroid. And in a normal eye, the retina and the choroid are about the same uh, dimension. The blood supply to the visual cells, which are near that white line in the middle, uh, comes from the choroid. It does not come from the retina vessels. So, um, if we look at the same OCT in a myopic eye, high myopic eye, this is an eye who could be, let's say, uh, minus 18, minus 19, 20 diopters. Uh, do you see my pointer, Ed? Uh, let me see. Do we see the pointer over there? I don't. No. Do uh, oh, okay. Well, anyway, the red. Yeah, yeah. Is... Uh, we see. We see your pointer. Okay, the retina is again the superior tissue and is mildly thinned, as you pointed out in your discussion with the in, in myopia and the growth of the IV, uh, the retina itself can thin out. But what is markably thinned out is the choroid. And we no longer see these cotton ball blood vessels, but we see a very thin black line here under the macula and extending out into the periphery, out here into the periphery. And that is the choroid that we saw in the previous photograph that was this dimension, it was the thick dimension. And in high myopia, uh, it's very, very thin. 
the lack of blood vessels and blood flow in the choroid begins to damage the visual cells because the visual cells, I repeat, are getting their nutrition from the choroid and not from the retina. So um, I began to look at people with uh, high myopia and back in 2002, I had a 47-year-old uh, friend with high myopia. His eye was 34 millimeters long, and he was like 24, 25 diopters of uh, myopia. And he saw eight tenths. Two years later, in July of 2004, he was less than one tenth vision, and he was having difficulty with his peripheral vision. Um, he could not walk downstairs. He had to put his hands on the wall. When he walked in the street, he did not recognize curbs, and he had to feel his way around. And so at that point, I started giving him a vasodilator, which is called prostaglandin E1, or abbreviated PGE1. And this was the same potent vasodilator that was used by Dr. Belcaro to treat peripheral diabetic ulcers, intermittent claudication, and, and some heart problems. And at the same time, this medicine, PGE1, is used in almost all medical uh, subspecialties whenever you need to treat a serious uh, uh, ischemia. And it was only in ophthalmology where uh, we did not have experience. So this is my first patient, and he was one-tenth vision. After two days of treatment, he saw seven-tenths, which is a good vision. And after one year of treatment, he saw ten-tenths. He is back to driving, working. He's a teacher, reading. And um, this was an example of his visual field on the right. And the dark part of the field is his loss of peripheral vision here. And after the treatment, he regained a significant part, not all of it, a significant part of his uh, peripheral vision, and he became functional again. At the, at the same time, um, I wanted to get away from using, uh, using uh, intravenous medication all the time. And four years later, I tried a, the, the medicine in a skin cream that you use once a month, and he started treating himself with a cream where the medicine, uh, instead of giving it IV, penetrated uh, into the skin through a cream slowly. He was young, he was 47 years old, he did not have vascular problems, so he actually responded very, very nicely. I could take a look here at another patient, and this gentleman is a 71-year-old man with high myopia, uh, but he also had cardiovascular problems. So uh, his blood vessels were different from the, the previous gentleman who was 47. And he had three-tenths vision in his only eye. He had rubiosis irides and complete loss of vision in his other eye. Rubiosis irides is a medical term that we use when the eye becomes ischemic. It's seen in diabetes, and frequently when the, the eye uh, loses vision and is ischemic. And in this case, he had a high myopia, 
and became he developed rubiosis irides from his high myopia and ischemia in the one eye. In this case, he also he had a second problem, which was a, a choroidal neovascular membrane, and which I treated uh, with medicine at the time. Avastin was the medicine that was available. His uh, membrane, neovascular membrane, resolved, and he started on the, the same treatment, the prostaglandin. And he started directly with a skin cream because this was uh, later, back in 2008. I'd been doing the IVs already for four years. And he had a recovery vision from three-tenths to seven-tenths, which for him was very satisfactory. Now, in this case, he was an elderly person, so he also had other vascular problems, and, but, uh, which would account for the fact that his vision didn't improve as much as it did in the younger person. And he continued the cream uh, uh, on a regular basis every 10 to 14 days up until about last year. And I lost contact with him, with him and his family. He uh, started using it irregularly, the cream, and he lost uh, a fair amount of vision basically for having stopped it on his own. Here's an example of his visual field. And in this case, again, the peripheral vision was very important. The central vision was three-tenths, going from three-tenths to five-tenths. And this was the visual field after the treatment. But what is important here is the, in, is the decrease in the black, which is his peripheral vision. And these people are able to move around, they're able to dress, not necessarily drive a car, but in his own house, he was uh, autonomous, he could be outside. And it's very, very important. And this was probably due to the fact that the medicine was improving the, perif the peripheral blood flow, not only the, the central blood flow. Um, I have about 40 people who get the uh, treatment regularly. And let's say around 85% have had a nice response. At 15%, the, the response has been limited. And the people themselves know how often they have to be treated in the sense that the advantage of the prostaglandin PGE1, prostaglandin E1, is that the vasodilator effect lasts from 7 to 10 days on the average. And the patients themselves can tell you how often they need to be treated, and they get into a schedule of once a week, once every 10 days, once every two weeks, based on their, um, on, on their perception, visual perception. Um, I say this because we don't have uh, adequate methods for measuring blood flow in the choroid. There are a lot of different machines that are studying this, but uh, we still are not able to quantify blood flow. And so I've had to use visual fields and the feedback from the patients um, to, uh, to, to get an idea of how to treat them. Now, uh, I do not use this in people who have had cancer because I'm using a very potent vasodilator. And if someone is at risk of getting metastases, a vasodilator would, uh, could certainly favor metastases. And you wouldn't use it in someone who has a systemic infection 
because you could also spread the infection more easily. And very, very rarely in congenital heart problems, but those are pretty rare, and someone would uh, consult a cardiologist uh, uh, before using it. The other thing is, is that uh, if I use uh, one microgram, not milligram, we're used to thinking in most medicines today is a milligram, and instead we're, this is a microgram, and I use one microgram per kilo every seven to 10 days. If someone is hypotensive, I start with a half or a third of the dosage because the only problem is, is you can occasionally get a drop in blood pressure. In that case, uh, the, the patients are instructed to immediately reduce the dosage, drink a lot of um, mineral water to bring their pressure back up, and then um, to use a, a much smaller dose, although they're in consultation with me the next time they start. If someone is already hypotensive, I start at, let's say, a third of the normal dose and build up slowly or leave them at, at a lower dose if, if the blood pressure drops too much. And so the only disadvantage here is if, uh, if you uh, have a hypotensive patient, you have to be careful when once establishing the uh, uh, amount that's needed. But um, the people who use it are very, very happy. And uh, I've had some people who have lost vision uh, after 20 years, even though they've been using it. So the pathology uh, has in some people gone on, but those 20 years were uh, fruitful for them. They had uh, good vision and, and uh, have had no, no particular complications aside from occasional uh, hypotension. In that case, you would uh, uh, start with a, a much lower dose. Were you able to hear me? Yeah, I have a question. So this is for people that have high degrees of nearsightedness that are losing vision. Yeah, that's right. I'm sorry, I didn't say that in the beginning. These no, are no, no. I think I think you did, but I just wanted to make it clear that just this is a treatment for, uh, you know, a low levels of myopia with no vision problems. No, no. This is a for people with high myopia, and it's due to the fact that the choroid is is much thinner. But recently, uh, Robert, I've been seeing more and more people in consultation that have high degrees of nearsightedness that are uh -huh. going blind and yeah. uh, they're just looking for a solution. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted you to be on this webinar, give people hope. And the good news is this cream is available in Florida, correct? Yeah, yeah, I got it. It's a, a compound pharmacy. The first time I had it made up was by the haste post-haste pharmacy in Hollywood uh, uh, 20 years ago, I think it was. Um, mm -hmm. And it's just, this, uh, they made it up for me and, and I sent it over to Europe and tried it and, and it worked. So if uh, anyone does want a consultation with me, I mean, I'm in, I talk, Robert, you and I talk a couple times a week, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we would be happy to work together with you because uh, either that or travel to Rome. Uh, well, that's probably not great. necessary. Yeah, but a great, a great place to visit, a vacation, yeah, restore your vision. <laughs> that's true, Rome is a, is a very nice place. There, there's something very important here. Uh, first of all, uh, the fact that uh, high myopic 
high myopia is an ischemic problem as well as the mm -hmm. other problems that can occur, macular and so forth, is not appreciated by most ophthalmologists. And you have these visual fields that are reduced that could be confused with glaucoma. And so many ophthalmologists look at this and say, ah, the patient's got glaucoma. Instead, their pressures are normal. Now, you probably could have a rare case of, of a low-pressure glaucoma, but the vast majority of these are ischemia, and they're misdiagnosed as glaucoma, and they get worse even though they're on medications, especially the you see a lot of this in California because you have a hot, you have a large a Asian population, and people from Asia mm, have high myopia, and the glaucoma experts out in the West Coast, all up and down the West Coast, diagnose this as uh, glaucoma. And with due respect for these men, I I disagree with them. I think that the majority of this is is ischemia. And they're getting worse, not because of a low-pressure glaucoma, but because they're not having their ischemia uh, mm. uh, treated. And this is yeah. where microcurrent may have some benefit, because microcurrent has been sure. shown to improve the circulation. Sure, uh, sure. So maybe sure. microcurrent uh, in conjunction with the prostaglandins yeah. uh, may be, together. have a good synergistic yeah. effect. And the other thing I think is important when you when these people are talking with their ophthalmologists is that um, there are um, the peripheral vision we don't normally measure. We just think of it in terms of uh, glaucoma and and don't normally measure. Just a second, my phone is on. You know, I'm gonna do. Uh, I'm gonna open up. Uh, I'm gonna open open things up for questions. One last thing I wanted to say is that. Um, People can take this and might not necessarily improve their central vision, but they ambulate better, they move around better. And that is the peripheral vision. And that is very, very important in high myopia to preserve the peripheral vision. So even if they don't improve their central vision, maintaining the peripheral vision is, I think, extremely important. Uh, so one thing, I'm opening it up for questions, and I think we're gonna have a few here. Um, was that pretty clear, the discussion, the presentation? Uh, well, we'll find out from the questions. Uh, so number one, I think that those of you that may, might be interested in some of these treatments, uh, go to freeconsult.us. I do need a copy of your recent eye records. We need to determine the level of your myopia, also your associated conditions, uh, cataract, sure. glaucoma, your extended vision loss. Neovascular membranes, you can use this even in the presence of a neovascular membrane once it's treated. Okay, we have a question here, uh, Robert. I have a glass power that is 6.5 and cylinder that is two. How can I get better vision? My age is 44. Well, he, pro he probably, it, it's 6.5 of myopia, minus 6.5. Uh -huh. The myopia is minus 6.5. And two diopters. Okay. That, that's probably that. not enough of uh, enough myopia to give you a, an ischemia. And in that case, you're, you're better off answering the question because that would be a, uh, it would be still be a high myopia because it's over six, but um, uh, it's highly unlikely. You could only tell by doing an OCT 
and looking at the choroid, uh, but it's highly unlikely at six diopters you're going to have uh, an ischemia of the choroid. Mm -hmm. Oh, those of you that are listening and maybe you've lost connection or you're having problems, uh, this is being recorded. So I hope to have a recording and I'll, I'll post it. So um, uh, other questions, uh, the, we're open now, just type your question in the chat box and um, Robert and I can answer your question. Question I have is, uh, I it's also, it seems like- it's Also in patients with diabetes, who have uh, severe visual loss, and it's, it's helped them. I've had visual improvement in severe diabetes, not in normal diabetes. And um, I've used this a lot with acute ischemia. Uh, that's when I first started to use it, with uh, mm -hmm. inter-ischemic optic neuropathy, branch retinal arterial occlusions, um, and um, it's very, very effective. As far as chronic, oh, uh, there's, a, there's a question here about uh, have you published anything on this? And you have, you have yeah, published, and you have. You just have to presented, look, go, go to, to several meetings. Go go to um, PubMed and just put my name in on PubMed, and uh, the various articles will come out. Yeah, so this has been published. I just recently published last month uh, an article about an ischemic an acute ischemia of the retina uh, called PAM, P-A-M-M, and um, you get an inner retina ischemia, and the vision went from one-tenths to ten-tenths. But I was lucky because I saw the patient immediately after the episode, and uh, they were treated within hours of the episode, so that was lucky to get such a good uh, visual response. If I'd waited a couple days, it probably would not have been such a good response. Mm -hmm. But this chronic ischemia, I, I, my patient there, the 47-year-old, has been treated since uh, 2004, and he's still on treatment today. He prefers an IV, and he gets an IV uh, once a month, every couple months. So there's probably an accumulative effect, whereas I first, when I first started treating him, I was treating him every week to 10 days. And now he maintains good vision. Remember, he was unable to go up and down steps without putting his hands on the wall, and he could not walk down a curb because he couldn't distinguish the, the sidewalk from the street. Now he's driving and working, and he gets treatments every two to three months. So there must be an accumulative effect of the prostaglandins on the uh, vascular system in the eye. Here's a, here's a good question here. Uh, I was told after 20 years that my doctor thinks I have high myopia instead of glaucoma. What is the relationship to this issue with the optic nerve? I'm 68. How do I get a clear diagnosis? So this would be, do, do I have glaucoma or high myopia? So this is a tough, a tough question. How would you, you answer that? You, you, you probably have uh, high myopia. Uh, although it's more of a clinical judgment than it is something we can do with machines because the visual fields can uh, look the same. And um, one of the ways is by using prostaglandins, if peripheral vision improves, then that's a confirms the that's information to confirm the diagnosis of ischemia. 
I use, I have, I do use this in glaucoma because people with glaucoma also have decreased uh, blood flow to the optic nerve and also to the ganglion uh, vascular layer of the retina. But I do not see visual field improvement in glaucoma with uh, the use of the medicine, even though I can pick up increased blood flow in the eye and the optic nerve. And, um, and, and so using it, and the other thing is that it's, it's not, it, it can't hurt you. And the only reason, if you had cancer, you have to be careful. But uh, you would be aware of improvement in visual field or a slowing down of the process of the, of the visual loss. You might slow down instead of having it gone on too rapidly, and that would confirm the ischemia. And those uh, people that do send me a copy of their records, uh, you'd be happy to take a look at them to give your opinion. Okay. Yeah. So uh, if you do go to free consult, we're getting a lot of questions. I have uh, glaucoma, high myopia. How do I know the difference? I think we really have to look at your records. Well, and we'd be happy to look at them at no charge. Just send them to go to freeconsult.us, send them to me, and I'll collaborate with uh, Dr. Staggerwald. And we in can that see. case, if you think you have glaucoma, and um, there's no problem because the medicine will improve optic nerve blood flow as well as choroidal blood flow. So making the fine distinction is not necessarily needed as long as the pressure is under control. And obviously, if the pressure isn't under control and there's a question of glaucoma, then that has to be dealt with separately. But uh, the prostaglandins I use in both situations, low pressure glaucoma and in high myopia, and it's wasn't one doesn't uh, interfere with the other. With the new angio CTs, we're now able to measure blood flow in, in the optic nerve. And the response I'm getting is good in glaucoma but not necessarily improving visual field. I'm hoping in the future that what it's going to do is going to slow down the progression of low-tension glaucoma because I think ischemia probably plays a factor in low-tension glaucoma. And by improving blood flow, you're going to be able to uh, slow down or stop uh, the process of visual loss. That's what yeah, I, I agree. Uh, in low-tension glaucoma, it's probably more of an ischemia problem than actual pressure. Right. Because the pressure is normal. And the pressure has to be kept low, but adding a vasodilator is probably going to improve the uh, treatment of these people. Here's a good question. Can you use the cream for glaucoma? Yeah. I, I have, uh, I have uh, about 15 people with glaucoma who use the cream. I have a couple low-pressure glaucomas and that have been treating now for a year and a half. And they've had, uh, I have documented improved blood flow with the NGO OCT, and they're stable for the moment. That's only a year and a half. What I'd like to see is after three or four years. But, this, but the, I know that I'm not doing any damage and that I'm not hurting them. Now, this lady with low pressure glaucoma is also hypotensive. And instead of giving her, I, I use uh, one. Uh, uh, microgram per kilo. So a patient who is, let's say, 80 kilos, I would use uh, 80 micrograms. Uh, in her case, she has uh, low pressure systemically, and I given her, I give her only 20. 
And with 20, I get an improvement of the blood flow in the optic nerve without worsening her uh, peripheral hypotension. So I give her a quarter of the normal adult dose. I'm basically using the dosages that Dr. Belcaro used when he was treating diabetes, uh, intermittent claudication, systemic uh, ischemia. Is I'm using the same dosage. Mm -hmm. Okay, we're coming to a, an end on the the event. And uh, Robert, I want to thank you so much. Those of you that um, have joined uh, and you do have particular questions about your own condition, uh, send me. Uh, a copy of the records and Dr. Staggerwald and I can review those. Also, if they have an ophthalmologist who is particularly interested, they could always uh, contact to, to get information as well, and especially the diagnosis between glaucoma no. and myopia is not easy. Uh, because of the uh, coronavirus, uh, we, we are offering our program uh, as an uh, at-home program. We're putting on hold the in-office program simply because people can't travel. So if you're interested in our comprehensive program, then we do have a marked savings on this. Go to chondroitprogram.com. Uh, the program includes a record review, a consultation with me, collaboration with Dr. Staggerwald if you have myopia, microcurrent machines, syntonic light therapy, urine tests, vitamins, uh, et cetera. Uh, so we are here to help you. I'd like to close by um, showing you this. Uh, let's see here if I can pull up this video here. Amen. A lot of our work is done on the missions. Here we go. Let's see here. There. Okay, so if you want more information on our mission work, go to missiontocureblindness.com. And I'm trying to talk Dr. Staggerwald into joining me on uh, some of the mission work. And I've recently been named the director, ophthalmic director on the Mercy ship off the coast of Africa. So I'm looking for ophthalmologists to join us on the work. So in summary, freeconsult.us, I'd like to see your records. You can call the office, that's our number. And um, I, Dr. Staggerwald, I wanna thank you so much for taking time. You're a very good friend. I have to admire you for well, the passion you. you have in, in the amount of work and effort you're putting into researching high myopia, because some of these people are really suffering. They're really they're suffering. Their vision. It's easy and their response is rather dramatic. And uh, you know, the traditional eye doctor will say nothing can be done. And and you're yeah. you are telling them that something can be done. And I have yeah, to admire you for that. The, the vast majority it helps us significantly. Okay, well, I want to thank everybody for joining. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Staggerwald, thank you. Thank you. And this will, will be available to all of you uh, as a uh, recording. Um, I'll be posting it and sending it to you. So this is Dr. Kondrat uh, wishing all of you good health and clear vision.
and stay safe and healthy. Okay, good night from Rome.